your weekly tips and tricks on the hotel industry, how to market your hotel, get more heads in beds. And I am joined today with Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. And Misha Bakikikikikio. Howdy, howdy. And today's topic is going to be, should your hotel have a blog? But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about news. So what's going on? Pete, what caught your interest this week? Well, there was a really cool article posted on T News. And it says, basically, a majority of travelers claim they prefer booking on a mobile device. That's coming from an Opera Media Works infographic that was published recently. And it was really cool. It shows that about 66% of all travelers prefer a mobile device when they're in that research phase of planning a trip. 51% they prefer mobile devices as their preferred digital platform overall. So... I definitely say check that out. The infographic is really cool. It's got a lot of cool tips on there, but it really does show that if you're a hotel, you got to make sure that you're thinking mobile first when it comes to your site, your marketing, and everything else. Yeah, we're seeing that in terms of traffic. You know, we we certainly haven't seen where bookings are outpacing um, desktop, but certainly from a traffic perspective, a lot of our clients are seeing more traffic on mobile now on desktop. I, th- I feel like TNews probably had an agenda with that infographic. So you you know what they say about data, you can make up the statistics to tell the story you want. So yeah, and that's, that's really a- 51% of people, are they actually booking on mobile devices? I haven't seen any data that's suggesting that, but. That would be a much longer headline. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's why they went with a little bit of a clickbait headline, but it does illustrate the point that Start thinking mobile first if you're not already. Absolutely. Now, what's up next, Misha? I found an article on digiday.com that caught my interest. The title was The Global State of Ad Blocking in Four Charts. So me being lazy and, oh, four charts. I can work through this pretty quickly. But some of the um, stats they had in there were pretty interesting. Ad blocking, not our favorite things to discuss as marketers, but it is a reality. And a lot of us who are in marketing actually use them. So it's kind of a, you know, a double-edged sword there. Some of the interesting stats that I found from the article, they had one of the charts was on the global use of ad blocking. And I personally would have assumed that the United States was the front runner of people who actually use ad blockers. But this is in fact not true. We are behind Poland, where they have 38% of people using ad blockers and Germany, with 25% of their population using ad blockers. The U.S. sits at about 24%. Behind them were the U.K. at 21% and Japan at 10%. So I thought that was interesting. They also have some charts in there about their proportion and age that uses ad blockers. This, I'm sure, as we can imagine, skewed towards the younger demographics that actually implement those. And then they had top reasons for ad blocking. They only listed two reasons which I was um, kind of hoping to see some more reasons, but overall for all countries they listed, people noted that the reason that they turn on ad blockers the most is due to the volume of ads. And then the second most popular reason was ads that follow people. So retargeting and remarketing. And then they also have a chart on gender ad blocking and males are the main demographic that turns those on versus females. So I thought it was some interesting stuff, definitely useful information to have, and definitely you know important to know as marketers that people are using ad blockers. Here's the reasons why, what can you do to you know, 
not bother people as much or what can you do to avoid these problems or other channels that you can explore so do you i'm curious do you guys use ad blocking i do every day i don't see i, I like an authentic experience and, and there's a couple of reasons one i'm a marketer so i like to see what other people are doing and, and to be honest i think the reason that so many people do use ad blockers is because most ads suck you know, so we, we as marketers have, have brought this upon ourselves. If we did a really good job of creating ads that were compelling and relevant, people wouldn't feel the need to use ad blockers. So it's really on us. We shouldn't be complaining mm -hmm. about people doing it. But um, the other reason I don't use an ad blocker is I actually feel like it enhances my experience on the web, but especially with remarketing. Because if I am searching for products and, and I'm going to get better offers or it's going to remind me, hey, you got this in your, in your shopping cart, that actually helps me. It doesn't hurt me. You know, in the hotel industry, we've talked a lot in, in several episodes. Misha, I know you get on your soapbox every time this comes up. Mm. Hotels are the worst at display yes. advertising. Right? We, we show people, hey, we've got cheap rates for weeks and weeks after they've already booked. So stop doing that and perhaps people will stop using ad blockers. But on the flip side too, yeah, 24% in the US are using <coughs> ad blockers. That means 76% are not, right? So you're still targeting 76% of the population. So just do a good job, have compelling messaging, creative advertising, and, and people will use it. I found that the ads that bother me the least are on the platforms that I thought they would bother me most. Like I found ads on like social media, Instagram in particular, or even Twitter, like I'm not as bothered by those. I think they're really relevant to me. Like I've actually downloaded some apps that I've found through Instagram ads or Twitter ads. So those where I thought it would be most intrusive when they announced that they were doing advertising or being a little bit more aggressive, I found those are not as bothersome. It's mostly the search ads and the, the display ads that just really ruin it for me. That's the same way with me. It's, I don't mind ads on a page. It drives me nuts. And if you're in the news media and you have a traditional news type site, jamming ads into the content, having every fourth or fifth word have that double underline you know, for an ad click, it makes it so hard to read an article or digest content. I'm fine with having ads off to the side of the site or integrated intuitively, but when you just hammer me over and over and over again with pop-ups, auto-playing videos, this and that, it's just easier for me to put a block, up, a block on and not worry about it. There's actually a giant ad <clears throat> in the article that I'm looking at about ad blocking. What was so that I have mine turned off. Um, it is for app. Boy, I don't know. I have no idea what this is. So See. it's not even relevant to right. me. Poor app boy. It's not clear messaging, obviously. So you don't know what oh, it's it is. Oh, it's in-app messages to... Uh, so it might be a platform for advertising. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly the messaging's yeah. not on point. And, and you know, I, I think advertising's gotten more sophisticated. With things like Facebook and, and YouTube and Twitter, you can really get really, really granular on who your target audience is in provide them value by showing them stuff that helps them or they might desire, but don't just blanket spray and play like these people are. All right, next up, I've heard this everywhere across the news in the last couple of weeks, so I can't really cite the original source. I don't know where this stat came from. This might be completely made up, but... Um, Everything's made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> exactly, but you know, it's been, it's been quoted in so many different reputable um, articles that it, I, I gotta feel like this, their origin is, is authentic. But you know, we know that video on, on Facebook has become really, really prevalent. Like they've gone from zero video content to really dominating the video space 
in the course of 12 months. And with the onset of Facebook um, live video over the last few months, it's just gotten crazy. So the latest stats suggest that there's over 8 billion, billion with a B, videos served on Facebook every single day. Now that's mind boggling. That's, that's got to be getting close to YouTube numbers. But interestingly enough, 85% of those videos are not being played with sound. So what does that tell us? That tells me maybe Facebook auto-playing their videos. It's playing, but the person's not necessarily actively engaging they're, they're it. They're not watching it, right? Yeah. I mean, they're skipping now. We know how Facebook works. You, you kind of skim down the page and look at post to post. If people aren't clicking on the video, they're probably not paying attention to it. So 85% um, of the videos you're, you're counting as on your stats, they're really not yeah. really views. Now, I will say one thing about that, though. The more I watch videos on YouTube, I've noticed that a lot of these videos are all being shown with closed captioning as well. Because I, I use my phone primarily when I'm looking at a video on YouTube. Yep. And I don't necessarily want it, you know, playing the sound for me. Correct. If I'm sitting on the couch. I don't want to bother my wife with whatever random video I'm watching. Now you got to be pretending that you're watching The Bachelorette, right? So if the sound exactly. comes on Facebook, she'll know that you're really not paying attention. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I agree. I think closed captioning is a unique way to do that. And it's mm -hmm. it goes back to other advertising platforms. When we're talking about display earlier and ad blockers, you've got to get someone's attention mm -hmm. really early on, right? So closed captioning is a way to do that. Having something really compelling visually, um, like a puppy or if you're me sure a cat. Yes. That's going to work, right? Misha's going to click on it every time. If it's every time. So. Well, I think some publishers have done a good job of overcoming that. The fact that people aren't necessarily clicking, grabbing their attention. I mean, I don't know if this is the same for, you know, the male audience, but for girls, like the BuzzFeed Tasty videos. I love the Tasty All videos. over my newsfeed, and they do such a good job of immediately, you know what they're going to make. You don't need to click on that to mm -hmm. see it's very easy to absorb. They're short. So kind of taking that mindset and for travel, I think too, it's a very, it can be very visual. So if you're in a destination, you know, get really creative and kind of have that type of mindset to where don't do a video that somebody, especially on Facebook, where they're going to have to click on it to understand your message. Yeah. We have one client in particular who manages a series of golf courses. They go out and every day they take a drone video of one of their courses. Doesn't have any sound on it anyway. But you always see that on their Instagram feed, on their Facebook feed and whatnot, where you see that drone fly up into the sky and then, you know, fly down the fairway. I don't need sound for that. Mm -hmm. I don't interact with that video, but it's very engaging. So are they putting closed caption on it about what the course is and the hole is? Right now, no, they're not. Yeah. You should recommend that to them. Get ready. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I think closed captioning, just, just consider that when you're publishing video on the web. Consider the fact that everyone's going to listen to sound, so make sure it can work with or without sound. All right, so let's jump into the topic of the day. So what are we talking about? We're talking about blogs. And should you have a blog? We've already kind of said yes and maybe, so let's put that in context. Who wants to go first? All right, so I think the term blog is honestly the worst name for it. Nobody is going to care what a true blog is for a hotel, someone just rambling on about the property. News systems and article systems, though, are very relevant and should be used. Yeah, and in preparing for this, I actually went back and looked at what the dictionary definition of blog is, and, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it, it, it basically implies it's more of an individual small group that's 
providing their voice via a web page and updating it frequently, right? Which the word has become synonymous with a lot more. And, and when we're talking about should your hotel have a blog, I think you're exactly right. We're talking about should your hotel provide relevant information beyond just the regular content that's on a site? Because every site's going to have amenities. It's going to have accommodations and describe the room types. It's going to have an about us page, probably some landing pages and a booking engine. What we're talking about is should you have really articles, written content that is helpful or useful to your consumer in some way. So when we're saying blog, I think that's that's the spirit of how we're talking about it, right? So in order to determine the answer to the question, should we have a blog, let's talk about some of the benefits. What, what are some things we know? A lot of our clients have some form of what method to update content on their website. In in side note, if you're, if you're sitting there at home listening to this, and your website cannot be controlled by you, you don't have a content management system that allows you to go in and add content, you need to really rethink what your strategy is because that, that in 2016 is just par for the course. You have to be able to react quick, put up content on the fly. There's so many easy, cheap tools out there to do it right now. If you're locked into a static website, it's time for you to look at your budget and try to find a few thousand dollars to spend on a new website. I think you hit on the key point there. And the one, number one reason to have a blog, news, article system, whatever it is, is to be able to react rapidly. If there is some need to get an article up, uh, it could be, hey, the pools are closed on a certain day. Or it could be, we have a fantastic festival. Here's our Thanksgiving dinner menu, whatever else it might be. Being able to easily post that to the site, good topical information, is really one of the best reasons to have one. Yeah, I mean, and then on the flip side of that, not only is there the, the relevant fresh content, there's also the evergreen useful content, right? Which is going to year over year contribute to search engine traffic. People are going to find your website because you have an article written on a certain topic. It could, you know, it could be as simple as if you're in a beach destination, 10 things to bring with you to the beach, mm -hmm. you know, and they'll find you and that brings traffic to your website. So. Yeah, and from a search perspective, if you have a blog, if you have a new system and it's on your hotel site, make sure whatever that content is, is relevant to your hotel and your destination. You know, there is that, a massive part of reason why you should have a blog is the search engines. So you want to make sure you're writing content that's relevant to who you are and helps the search engines better index your site and not send the search engine off and, you know, a lot of goose chase about something random you wrote about. And not losing sight of why you have a website, right? Because you, you, your purpose of website is to portray your brand, your property in the best light and to help a consumer make a decision to book with you and, and to transact with you. And, and a blog can supplement that. So being useful and relevant to that consumer, and there's so many, we'll get into some specific topic ideas in a little while, but there's a lot of ways that you can do that, that you can say, hey, did you know that this is going on about with our property? Or we've got this that's new, or we're close to this, or this event's going on, that kind of stuff. So genuinely being helpful. Don't write a blog to serve yourself. Write the content to serve your potential consumers. I think a lot of these points that we're talking about right now, I see blogs as a twofold way of not only serving search engines, because yes, that is important. You know, A blog does generate more traffic for your site. It can generate inbound links to your site. There is a search engine optimization perspective that's to be considered. But also at the end of the day, it's really important for users. You want to provide value for them. You want to establish yourself as 
you know, the expert in your field or wherever your destination is. So all of these points that we're discussing really fall under one of those two umbrellas, you know, search engines and users, and they really need to be synonymous and working together. Yeah, especially from an expert perspective. You know, if you're in a bigger destination, if you're in a, say, Virginia Beach, there's a lot of expert data out there about that prop that destination. But if you're in a smaller property or a smaller destination, there may not be that real powerhouse site that creates a ton of content. So it really gives the individual hotelier the opportunity to step into that role and capitalize on those search results. Yeah, but but also knowing what you know where you fit into the puzzle, right? Because if if you're in a destination like Virginia Beach and you've got a CVB site and you've probably got some private portal sites that probably have a lot more resources than your individual hotel and they're writing about every event and every attraction and they're put putting out a ton of content, they've got bigger social channels to distribute it than you, you're not gonna compete one-on-one -on -one with them. So you gotta find what's unique about you. So if there's say an event that's going on that's close to your property or, or restaurants that are close to your property or something that you do that's different than your competition, that's your niche. That's where you need to focus on those kind of things. Don't try to be all things to all people because you're never going to compete and, and you're just going to spend a lot of time and energy really putting out content that no one's going to read. And at the, two, building off of that, I feel like sometimes hotels and you know we've had to rein ourselves in too, they kind of forget their position in the market. Like destination marketing organizations, that's their job is to write about the destination, really attract people and convince them to come wherever it is. Your job as a hotel, people have already decided, you know, in most cases, we're coming to Virginia Beach or we're coming to Orlando or wherever the destination may be. You know, they've already decided, like, they're in love with this place as it is. So what can we do to make them fall in love with our hotel and have them stay with us? Exactly. Um, another reason that you might want to blog as well is it helps you feed your social channels. You know, a lot of people kind of scratch their head about, well, what am I going to post today on social media? If you're writing content on a consistent basis for your website... That's great that you can distribute, repurpose on your different channels and then get more engagement, which in turn is, is kind of that flywheel effect at that point. You get more traffic back to your site, more engagement and stuff like that. So that's another reason. And then um, going back to the search engine side, if you have content that's relevant and helpful on your website, you have a greater chance of earning links, which again helps with search engine visibility and the authority of your site and all that good stuff. Yeah, and also, you know, one of the other things I think also is really it helps your brand differentiate itself from all the other properties, let's say Virginia Beach again, all the other properties along the strip that are really no different than yours. If you can kind of create a fun, energetic, you know, exciting brand mm -hmm. within your article section, that's going to make people want to stay there a little bit more. They think they're going to have fun because they know that the property staff itself is having a lot of fun. Exactly. Um, you can also get some ownership from your guests and your social channels within the website. So you can go out and ask people on your social channels questions about what they like about your property or what they like about the area or when they're coming or whatever the questions are and then repurpose that into content on your website and then share that back out to them and then they feel like they're a part of it. You're building up that loyalty and that affinity and they're more likely to, to stay with you and talk about you and again, that just... That's just going to help your property. Misha, have we convinced you that every property needs to have a new system? Negative. Ah. No. I, my position, which I don't know if you're waiting till the end to say this. Yeah. But, okay. 
But you can say it now. <laughs> you can completely ruin my show notes. That's okay. No, we've already had Pete ruin your joke once. It's fine. This is true. Pete ruins everyone's jokes. Welcome. All right, so we talked a little bit about some of the benefits, right? So say say you are not Misha. Say you have been convinced that there, there are benefits to you having a blog on your website or an article section on your website, whatever you want to call it. The next thing is the challenge that people have is is creating content ideas, right? How do you come up with what should I write about? And, and, and that's often the roadblock that people run into. And then they start second guessing themselves and the inner critic comes out and says, well, no one's going to read that. That doesn't make sense. So I think the, the number one piece of advice we give to people that need to blog is just start doing it. Like don't, don't have any expectations. Don't look at your stats every day. Just start producing quality content. Mm-hmm. And, and quality is a key word. Don't just roll out any old dribble, but produce well thought out content that you spend the right amount of time producing. And there are some very simple kind of tactics that we employ to help you initially generate some content. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the first one is every day at your property, people are coming in and asking questions. You, know, you basically have a running FAQ system coming through your front desk every day. Get a few of those things. If you see that everybody's asking the same question, you know, is the water temperature warm enough to swim in June? Answer that question. Write a nice, detailed article about it. Reference weather stations, reference whatever you need, but make it a real value add to your guest to know that if they're coming in June, you know, the water in Virginia Beach, wherever else it might be, is a great place to jump in. Yeah, and that, that's a tactic that came from, um, that there's a gentleman, Jay Bear, who's pretty well known in marketing circles, and he wrote a book called Utility. Uh, he was actually a keynote speaker at one of the events that we put on, and real smart guy, um, very very innovative in his thinking. But in his book, he gave, gives that as an example, and he, he cites, um, I forget the name of the company, but it was a, a swimming pool company that did that. They went and thought about every question they could think about uh, swimming pools and wrote detailed answers about it, and it, there was a case study about how it improved their visibility in their business. But if you think about it this way, if someone's coming to your front desk or they're calling your reception and they're asking you a question, there's a good chance there's 10 times that many people that are typing in that same question to Google. Well, think how annoyed you have to be after you've asked Siri, after you've gone online to try to find the answer, to finally have to say, pick up the phone and actually ask a front desk person whatever. A real human being. Yeah, they've already gone through several layers of frustration, Mm -hmm. so you you gotta get that question answered. Or their Facebook channel. I know that, you know, the social media pages we manage, people ask questions all day long Mm -hmm. about everything under the sun. Yeah, and it's random, right? They they just think you're like all the all knowing, yeah. powerful Wizard of Oz or something. So, and that's a benefit. That means to them you are. Yeah, you're the expert. So be that way. Be the authority, right? So if you if you get asked that question about the temperature of the water, write an in depth article about it. So guess what? Next time someone goes to search engines and types it in, there's a good chance you're going to show up. Next time they go to social media and ask that question, you don't have to spend the time thinking of an answer. You can just put in a link that drives more people back mm-hmm. to your website. So the, I love that that philosophy of just figuring out the questions people are already asking, put it in blog format, maybe even put it in an FAQ. You can, one of the things we talk about too is repurposing the same content in different channels. So you can do it in video, you can do it in image format, you can do it in a blog, you can do it in an FAQ. But it, it's just great content because it's helping people. And at the end of the day, 
if, if you're helping your potential guest, they're more likely to be your guest. Well, I think the next thing you really want to look at is showcase your your property. You know, if you have the world's best water slide at a hotel, hit that over and over again. Have a kid go up there with a GoPro, take a video of them going down the slide. Write about it in an article, you know, post about it on Facebook, but constantly make a, make a lot of noise about what you're what you're great about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you because know, people are going to be searching for that stuff. They're going to search for, you know, water slides at hotels and things like that. So if you have a real great attribute, write about it not just once, multiple times from different angles. Yeah, and, and humanize it, right? Interview people that are there enjoying it. Like do like you said, do videos, take quotes from people, show photos of families enjoying the amenity. Try to put your other potential guests in their position. If you can get people picturing themselves at your property, that's half the battle right there. They're more likely to book. Yeah. So the more you talk about your assets. Well, you hit on one thing that I want to go back to. When you take a picture, if you take a picture of a pool with nobody in it, more often than not, that looks kind of creepy. Get some people in it. Have people having fun. Have a kid jumping off the side into the water. Because you know, if you want to get people to think that they're at this property, you don't want to show them a boring, sterile place that nobody wants to be. Yeah, and, and, and then building upon the talking about your property and your brand, it doesn't have to be amenities. It could be just be your personality. Like if you're an eco-friendly property, talk about the things you do that help the environment. You know, because if there's a certain type of traveler that that stuff matters to and they see that either by search or by coming to your website and seeing it, that's going to help them choose you over the competition. Yeah, I mean, and one, one example that we had a property who just finished putting in triple sheeting on their bedding. Most people don't know what that is or that it's really cool. So you put, they wrote a blog post about it, explained triple sheeting is this and this and this. And we have these fancy beds with, you know more goose feathers than you know the guy down the street or whatever else it might be but they did a really nice article about it and they turned into a real selling point yeah i don't know what triple bedding is but i want to stay there if i'm going to look at every hotel i'm searching for now if they don't have it i'm not staying yeah double double sheeting is not going to cut it doesn't cut anymore that's for peasants (laughs) exactly so go ahead So I think another point that, you know, you had mentioned too, but stuff that's around your property. So, and there's ways to make this as tagline as you can. So top 10 under 10 is one that we've used a lot. So, you know, 10 restaurants around your hotel where you can get a meal for under $10. Things like that that are really valuable that people probably ask your front desk, hey, where can we get a cheap meal? You know, so it's it's valuable to them, but it's also valuable to search engines, you know, because people are probably looking before they come stay at your property, what's around it. So you're capturing those people at every level. And that's, I mean, really useful. It's kind of clickbaity. People click on it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's stuff that's, you know, really easy to come up with and it doesn't take too much effort to compile that list. Yeah. Kid-friendly restaurants or attractions, like where kids eat free is another one. Oh, yeah. Free stuff to do in your area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we've talked a lot about doing things to help the guests and that helps search engines. Even though we mentioned search engines, that's one of the very first things when we said we should, you should create a new system or a blog, that's really the the positive result of doing great work that helps your customers. Uh, and switching gears a little bit, another thing that another approach with content is talking to the staff. You know, if you're if you're a mom and pop, you know, in or bed and breakfast, having bios of the, the people that own it that they're going to meet when they're there, like why they do what they do, why why they're passionate about it, showing videos and photos of 
people. If you're a bigger property, showing the cleaning staff and having them talk about you know, all the things they do to make sure, ensure that every guest has a comfortable clean room or talking to the front desk about you know, why it's important to be friendly. Humanizing the property, making people get a glimpse of what they're gonna experience before they get there. Again, you're nudging them down that funnel towards booking. So should we shift gears and talk about some of the top blogging tips for people? That sounds great. I think the first place to start is if you want to do a blog and you wanna get it started, before you get started, do your research. So keyword research, whether it's things around your property, whether it's something in your destination that you wanna highlight, just do a little bit of basic keyword research. If you're looking for ideas, there's some other tools that you can use. Google Suggest is a good one. It's really easy, just go into Google um, and type in any phrase you know, for your property. It could start with the name of your property and see what people are searching for around that name. You can also use them um, just on the bottom related searches, so what people are searching for around that phrase. And then um, Google Search Console, that's something you should have set up for your website and you can see search analytics. So this is a really good way to find content that may or may not exist on your website. We actually use this frequently for some of our clients and we noticed for one property in particular, a lot of people were searching for that property resort map and came to our attention that we don't have a resort map on the website currently. So, you know, thousands of people, you know, every month they're searching for this and that's something that we didn't have. So we put up a nice, you know, article page about about the property, you know, here's a map. We had a download that you can open it up in a different window and download it and print it. So we made it really useful, but that was an example of, you know, how we use that tool to find something that people are actively searching for that we should be providing. And then just doing idea generation too, like brainstorming if you have, whether it's you know your staff or if you work with an agency or just whoever. I mean, we talked about it you know in some of our previous episodes, but just throwing ideas, like no idea is a bad idea. Just go ahead and get you know a list going of a hundred more blog ideas, and that could really set you up for the next couple weeks or months or even year with some structure about the things you're going to write about. Yeah, creating that calendar is such an important part of having a success a successful blog or news system so many times you have this great idea in the middle of summer oh we should talk about top five ways to get around in the summer well that's a great article to write but it would even been better if you wrote that article in may when people are thinking about traveling to your destination so if you take the time to kind of think about what you want to write keep a note of all your ideas and then every so often update a true written document of what you're gonna write about each time. Yeah, and then doing some research too and putting some thought behind the audience that you're targeting. You know, if you're a a ski resort that caters mostly to luxury travelers, um, you know, writing about kid activities may or may not be the best thing. So really be sure you have a, a really solid understanding of who's coming to your property, what type of content they're looking for, and you know what they're interested in and, and really understanding how to write for them. I think that's really, really important because you can write all the content you want, but if it doesn't resonate with your audience, it's not serving any purpose. Yeah, there's a nice trick called kind of creating your audience persona and putting a name to your ideal customer. You know, if it's a ski resort or if it's Virginia Beach, wherever it is, you know, my ideal customer, her name is Carol. She's 35 years old. She has two kids. She enjoys doing this, this, and this. And that helps you when you're writing that content to say, okay, I'm talking to Carol. I'm not just talking to some random, you know, customer off the street. Helps you connect a little bit more. 
Right, so another thing, and this is where people kind of, they write great content, they've got good articles, but then they don't quite know how to get the word out there. I mean, you're going to passively get some traffic through search that like we talked about, but you know, two things that really help, right? One is the, the sub, the topic headline, like making sure, Misha even touched on it earlier, making sure it's kind of clickbaity, making sure it's something that one gives a good overview of what's in the article, but two is something that's going to be interesting. Someone's actually going to want to click on it. So like top 10 list or 10 brilliant reasons why you'd want to do this. So, so spending enough time thinking about the subject line and, and we, we, there's some tools out there that can help you say, Hey, the frequency of words, these are good words, power words to use. So, um, what's the one you, you like to use? I will pull it up right now because I have a bookmark. But while she's looking at that tool that she uses, uh, the other thing is distribute the content, share it with people on social media, tell people to, to spread it and share it as well. I found that it's called, it's on a website called CoSchedule and it's a headline analyzer. So we can link that in the podcast if people want to check yeah. it out. Um, and I think they've got a bunch of cool tools to help you with content writing. Um, and then thirdly, I'd say, you know, so you've got the great content, you've distributed it, you, you've got a great headline, then what, right? You've getting these people to your website, you got to make sure there's a next step, a call to action, you know, whether that's signing up for an email special, whether that's going to the booking engine, whether that's entering a contest, whatever it is, you want to try to get something from that consumer. You want to try to get some kind of contact information so you can put them in your funnel. You can start driving all the way down to conversion. Yeah, especially once you do a good job building out that new system, they're not actually entering your site on your homepage. So you may have a perfect conversion funnel built from there, but if they come into a news page, they read to the bottom of the article and all they see is your footer, that's not going to cut it. You're going to have to do a little bit more you know, selling when they get to the bottom of that article to either read more or, or start booking. And I think this is a good time to point out too, whenever you are creating your blogs, making sure that you are taking the time to format it properly. You know, depending on what your CMS is, you know, inserting in those headlines, those um, headers, making sure that it's um, just really easy and intuitive for somebody to just take small chunks, absorb what you're trying to say. Organization is really important. Taking the time to fill out your meta description, your title tag, your image, alt attributes. Those little things that might take a little bit extra time are going to make a huge difference. And then also before you actually publish the article, you know, taking time to preview it, not only on your desktop, but um, if you can, you know, your mobile device or after you publish it, making sure that it looks good on every device, making sure that all your links work. Those are all, you know, a little bit more time consuming than just throwing something up. But if at the end of the day, if somebody, you know, does click on your article from Facebook and they can't see it on your phone, you just wasted time and you're, that person is going to be completely turned off from your brand. So taking the time to make sure all of those little things are taken care of is really important. Yeah, if you're going to mail it in, if you're just going to copy and paste content from someone else and, and really not help anyone, don't have a blog. If you don't have time to, to create a blog and you don't have the ability to make time to create a blog or resources that you can tap into, don't do it. Don't do it in, in a way that's not going to help people because at the end of the day, one, you want people that are coming to your site to see this content. You want to put the content in meaningful places, relevant places throughout the site so that they say, oh, that actually helps me. But two, you want people to find you on search engines. And the only way you're going to find people, find, people are going to find you on search engines is if you deserve to be showing on the search results. And the only way to do that is to write content that when we talk about 10x a lot, but you've got to be better than the competition. If someone else has written a 
10 family friendly things to do for under $10 in Virginia Beach in your market, then you've got to make it better. And that doesn't mean go one louder and write 11 things. It means be more descriptive, right? Be more helpful. Give links to those places and directions to those places. And really think about it in terms of what what's everything this person needs to use this information most effectively and conveniently. Don't make them do any work. So when we're saying 10x, we're basically saying make your content 10 times better than anything else out there for that particular question or subject. And that that's really how you make a good blog. Yeah, and that goes to you know picking a search term that you think that's going to be relevant to your site. You see what the results are for that page, and you look at the very first result that's going to be there. That's the content that you want to write to make fantastic 10 times better. If you really want to see that article or whatever it is that you've written, you know, start to perform for you. Yeah, and going off what Stuart said, you know, you look at who's ranking for that already. Does it make sense for you to even write about that? That's, you know, the first thing to consider. But then, okay, they already have a really good top 10 list. What can I do to make it better? So from a travel perspective, if you're writing about, you know, restaurants, are there any coupons to these restaurants that you can link to? Is there any, you know, video content that we can create around these restaurants or that already exists that we can use? Like what else, you know, directions to the restaurant? Like what else can you put in this like, like you said, Pete, like just anything you would need to know about this, that's what's going to trump that other article. And honestly, if there's already an article that's just like super kick-ass, then again, evaluate if that's really, if you have the time and effort to put towards that and if the benefits are going to be great enough for you to invest that time. And sometimes it's okay to, to share that information, right? So if it's someone else has gone to the time and effort and it's not another hotel, say it's a, a destination portal or, or someone that writes about restaurants in your area has already done the work and created that article, write a little article on your website that says, hey, I found this article, it's really helpful, here's the summary of what it says, and then link to it, because then you're, you're a utility, you're helping people, again, make decisions, and that just adds to affinity and loyalty and all that stuff. So you don't always have to be the creator, sometimes you can be the curator, and that can be just as good. Yeah, I think yeah. people are often afraid to link to or share information that's not just about you. And I think you really need to break down those barriers and say, you know, is this helpful for somebody, whether that's posting a blog on your site, posting it on a social media channel? Is it helpful to my audience? Like, will it resonate with them? And I think it's fine to build those relationships and share things that aren't necessarily just on your website exclusively. Yeah, I mean, think about even the most authoritative websites that are out there are not necessarily content creators. Google. Drudge Report, I mean, there's a thousand of the ones out there that all they do is pull content from other places. You know, so if you can't write something fantastic, you know, you know don't be afraid to, to look at someone else's content and help people find Just it. Just don't steal it. That's yes, don't copy don't paste. Don't copy it. It's not worth saying. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, cite it, reference it, give your own opinion on it, and then link to it. And, and, and tell them that you did it, because then mm -hmm. they might share it back and spread the love. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know... This is all very top-level surface stuff we're talking about, but we, we've actually looked at the data too, and we do know that blog content can have a very positive impact on revenue. In in you know when we bucket content into kind of or I guess search queries into three categories. One is brand terms. So if someone's searching for Hotel X in Virginia Beach, you're probably going to rank for that. If they're searching for just Virginia Beach hotels, an individual property is probably not going to rank for that. But where I think the battleground is and where the blog can really help you is in the in-between. So the semi-specific vicinity stuff. 
like uh, hotels near the boardwalk or hotels near this attraction. So if you're writing content that fulfills those kind of queries, one, you're getting very relevant visibility, um, but two, you can generate revenue from it. And we've looked at the data and it does generate revenue. And those are the keywords that when we look at um, over time, people that enter your website from different pages, those are the type of, type of pages that eventually lead to conversions. So uh, I think that there's a compelling ROI argument mm -hmm. as well for why a blog can be successful. Now, having said all of this and convinced everyone that they all need a blog, I think there's still some cases where it doesn't make sense, right, Misha? Yes, I'm still on the, I think it really depends on your goals and your resources and your property. Yeah, so as an example, if you're you know, a highway motel and the only reason people ever stay with you is not because you're in a destination, but because they're driving from town A to town B and you're in between and it's a good rest stop, a blog may not be necessary for you. But you know what? It might be good to write a couple of articles about, you know, find out from your audience who is staying there and why they staying there and write a couple of articles about that on your website. Hey, we're great for people traveling from Atlanta to New York or whatever it is. So again, you can figure out why people stay with you and make sure that content exists and you're telling other people why other people stay with you. But it doesn't necessarily need to be a full-fledged blog. But I think for most average properties, a blog can not only generate visibility, but can also generate revenue. If you're not committed to doing a blog, nothing is worse than having a nice big blog or news section in the main nav of your website and you get there and the last article is from you know, May 2014 talking about a calendar of events that you posted once. Going into creating blogs, creating news systems, it's a bit of a commitment. You want to get your team and you know, yourself amped up and ready to do this because you do need to make sure that you're creating content on an ongoing basis. If you just kind of write one article and give up, at some point you almost want to say, I need to take this link off my nav because it's not helping me book people. Yeah, or take some of that content out from blog you know, and put it as more like a landing page. Right. So take the date off it. You know, and yes. If it's something that's useful and evergreen, just take the date and the author off it and then it just becomes another page on your website. But yeah, I agree with you. Out-of-date content can... I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily say nothing in this whole entire world <laughs> is worse than that. There are probably a few things that come to mind. But um, it's pretty bad. It's, pretty, it's up there, for sure. I totally agree with you, Pete, that it is a commitment. You know, if you're going to do it, do it. But I also think another thing to point out is if you're going to take the time to do it, make sure people can find it. Make sure you have a link that's easy to find, you know, not buried in a footer somewhere. You know, people land on your website, they can easily say, hey, news, got it, we're gonna go there to learn more about this hotel. Make sure you're sharing it, you know, are you taking the time to post about it on all of your different, you know, networks. If you've got, you know, video that you've put on your blog, put it on your YouTube channel. I mean, really take the time to take this content you've created and get it out there so people can see it. I think that's really important. And one of the reasons I find that people don't write blogs is, is going back to the inner critic. They're, they're, they're worried about what people are going to say. They're worried about, is it going to be good enough? It's just that, that nagging doubt in your head. Just the advice I give to all of you people is give that inner critic a name. Call him Bob. doesn't matter what you want to call him. And then close your eyes and punch him right in the face and tell him to shut his little mouth hole and just go ahead and write. Just start writing because that's the, that's the hardest thing. I mean... Uh, We've all got that inner critic. That's something that nags at everyone. Um, even the pit folks here at Fuel, which blog a lot, we, we still get caught up in that inner critic thing sometimes. 
Just go do it. It's okay. You know what my inner critic's name is? Mm-mm. Stuart. No. <laughs> He's your outer critic. Do you, want to, do you want me to punch him for you? Please. Okay. <laughs> I think that's frowned upon in the workplace. All right. Did we have a user-submitted question this week? I believe we did. We have a question from Chris C. He asks, should my blog be integrated with my website or on a separate domain, subdomain? Okay, so what he's basically saying is you can have mydomain.com slash blog or slash article name or blog.mydomain.com or just a complete another domain. And in, in the when I say olden days, uh, meaning you know five years ago, a lot of people didn't have CMSs, right? So they would have to go to, say, a WordPress or something like that or a blogger, blogspot to get a blog system and then it wasn't really truly integrated with their website. I think the conventional wisdom today, Chris, is that you want it to be a part of your website. There's a lot of technical benefits to that and there's really no compelling reason anymore because technology is caught up to have it separate. Now, there's still some really old school traditionalists that say, oh no, a blog needs to have its own identity and be away from the website. But there's no data that backs that up. It's it's more of an uh, an arrogance, I think, or a nostalgia thing than anything else. But I, I personally don't see any technical mm-hmm. or logical reason why you would want your web your blog to live outside of your website. Yeah, because you're, you're no taking reason. people away from your website. Like it's the opposite of what you're trying to do. Exactly. So yeah. So hopefully that that helps you, Chris. All right. So I think we're about covered that topic, right, guys? We got it taken care of. All right, good. So, thank you for listening. This is uh, obviously the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. We're available on everywhere that you listen to your podcast. Please share us, review us. We want to get some more reviews so more people see us and more people start submitting questions and sharing the love. And we are going to be at High Tech this upcoming week in New Orleans. So, uh, we're at booth 627. So please stop by and say hello and say that you've listened to the, actually you can say it like me, say hello. And, um, no, you say, say hello. Hello. <laughs> um, and say that you listen to the podcast and we're going to be giving away a TV there, a big, big, big TV. So come by and you might have a chance to win that TV. Any final and words? Meet the one and only Stuart Butler. That's the exciting part. Live. I already met him. In person. I want to punch him in the face. <laughs> We um, have that in common. <laughs> in fact, if you go to high tech and go to booth 627, you face. can punch Stuart in the face. To win a TV. Yes. <laughs> Please don't First person to punch Stuart gets yeah. a TV. Yeah, I really would appreciate it if no one <laughs> yeah. did that. Uh, but I'm going to be doing some uh, Facebook Live videoing at high tech this week, and then we'll probably do an episode uh, next week or the week after on some of the cool innovative stuff from high tech. So... Um, Pete, where can they find you on the web? They can find me on Twitter at P DeMeo, my first initial P, D-I-M-A-I-O. And Misha, have you gotten any cat gifts yet? Zero cat gifts. A little disappointed at the internet. That's Thankfully, I know how to find them on my own. I yeah. am a skilled internet marketer, but if you do have any really funny ones that you want to share, you can find me at Marketing Misha. That is at Marketing, M-E-I-S-H-A. All right, the first person to send Misha a cat gift is going to get a shout out on the next episode of the podcast. Yes, so and I, I'll send you cookies. How's that? How about that? So, yeah. So, publicly publish your address, physical address, for the <laughs> whole can. interweb to see, <laughs> and she will send you cookies. Yes. And um, you can find me at on Twitter at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R, and you can find us collectively at Fuel Travel, F-U-E-L, 
T-R-A-V-E-L. I don't know why I spelled that. That's pretty easy <laughs> to spell. <laughs> you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Uh-huh.